Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today Sherry Jacobus joins us again. She is the executive producer of America Reads the Mullah Report. She's an independent writer, um, pundit. She, you know, she used to be a moderate Republican, but she left the party uh, when Trump became the nominee. And I always, uh, she's been on the show two times before. I love talking to her, and especially because when I follow her on Twitter, I, I'm always so... I guess I should say, I shouldn't say that I'm surprised, but I'm kind of surprised because she was a Republican, but again, moderate, very moderate. Um, And she explains this in the show uh, a little bit more in detail about where she was as far as, you know, her mind uh, or her political ideology, I should say. Um, But because it was before, you know, the, the, the media really polarized the parties. So she said she could have easily just worked for a moderate Democrat. And when I see her tweeting, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I agree with that and women power and woohoo. So it's like, you know, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it surprises me because we have been so conditioned to believe that if you're a Republican, you can't be trusted or if you're a conservative, no way. And so it's like, she's not really a conservative as far as um, socially, you know, I mean, she's very liberal as a, in, in her, whether it's about, you know, people of color, women, whatever. And it's not just that. It's, you know, she, you look at the Mueller report and she understands that Trump broke the law. So I just, I really like talking to her because of all the people who call themselves never Trumpers. You know, I mean, I, I like Joe Walsh because he doesn't attack the Democrats. He leaves them alone. And I know he and I have pretty much nothing in common when it comes to political ideology, uh, ideology ideology, I'm sorry. I don't think we have much in common at all. And I would probably completely disagree with him. But the fact that he understands that we're in such an urgent situation of, you know, this guy who is sitting in the White House was installed by Russia, really helped heavily by Russia. And I mean, it wasn't just Russia, but they played a huge part. When you when you take into account that he was a Tea Party person, he still is Tea Party. And that he would go against Trump and he would vote. He said, I will vote for Bernie Sanders. I will vote for Elizabeth Warren over Trump. And he's not going to bash either one of them. Then I can't help but respect him. I I do not agree with him at all on politics. And uh, I'm sure we could probably get into it on abortion. But I appreciate right now where he is. And I don't think that even though he wrote a book and then even though he's got his podcast out, I don't think he's in the same kind of financial position that he used to be in. And he could have easily done what everybody else did in the party and just gone along with Trump. But he didn't. And Sherry, to me, isn't like Joe Walsh because she's aligned. Like we have more. I think we think the same way when especially when it comes to women's issues. And as she points out, it's not really political, is it? If you feel like women should have should be treated fairly and equally, it's not a it's not a political thing although it is it's become one so anyway i just enjoy talking to her but before i before we get into it i gotta update you because yesterday this was so amazing it's about the finches the finches in the nest there was i had a wreath on my door and there was the little nest that the finches built so by my birthday which was july 17th all of them had hatched and i didn't know i knew two of them had hatched earlier but I didn't know the dates. So by my birthday on July 17th, they all hatched. And I figured I used that day to count 
and they say 12 to 15 days before the birds leave the nest. And once they leave, they're gone. They don't return. And so I think yesterday was day 16. And one of them had already left the nest, but the gross part was the freaking mites. Oh my God, all the mites. They're so tiny and they're, they were just everywhere. So I was cleaning around the door. They were, they were getting in through my front door. So I would clean that obsessively like five or six times a day. Fortunately, the mites don't live very long if there's no bird blood to suck on, but still they're gross. So, you know, all day I'm battling the mites in the mind. I keep thinking, please birds, just please fly away. I can't take this anymore. So yesterday I went outside and I was looking at them and there were three of them in there. And, and one of them kind of got up and stood up and started flapping its wings, and it just took off right in front of me. And I believe it was the bird's first flight. And it was very wobbly, and I was so nervous because it looked like it was going to hit a wall, but it didn't. It missed the wall, and it went right under it. It was like this... It's hard to describe where I live. There's this wall that it could have hit. and then, But it went right into the tree. And I was like, wow, I just saw bird's first flight. That's so cool. And now there's only two left. Woke up this morning, and they were gone. Oh, my God. Oh, happy day. I'm so glad. They all left on their own accord. There were no deaths, at least none that I knew of. There was no little dead birds around my door, which I was freaking out. I was so scared that I was going to see one of them like jumped and fell and died. The birds are gone. And I did clean this morning and it was just so gross because, you know, there was so much freaking bird crap. There was so much bird shit on the nest. Thankfully, most of it was on the nest. But I had to take the wreath down and it was like filled with mites and bugs and everything. So I had to like disinfect and I wore two masks and I wore protective glasses and I wore gloves and all this stuff. I took a shower afterwards because it was gross. But I mean, now it's so nice because there's no wreath on the door anymore, but it's all clean. I mean, there was like bird shit all over the floor. It was so disgusting. And I have a broom and I used the broom and now the broom is just going to have to be thrown away and I need a new broom. It was so gross. But I'm so grateful because I feel like, you know, I mean, for what it's worth, Native Americans say that like when finches make a nest near your home, it's supposed to be some kind of good luck or something positive, good omen. Um, I'll take it. I'll take that good omen. As I said, when, when uh, Stephanie and I were talking on Thursday, I'll take the good omen. If there's going to be a good omen, I will take it. But it was just, you know, the whole thing was like so stressful because I just wanted them to be safe. I wanted them to be just happy little birds. <laughs> and now they're gone. Yay! So there's that. All right. That's, that's pretty much it. That's what I got for you today. And I'll just go right into the Start Me Up podcast. It's an independent podcast and it's supported by you, people who listen to the show. And it's also woman run. That's me. So I don't have any corporate backers and I don't use advertisers and I really don't want to, but I may one day right now I don't. So it is patrons who keep the show going. And I just ask that if this is the first time you're listening to the show, go ahead and check out the front page and see some of the past guests that I've had. I, I love the variety of guests. I mean, I've had political pundits. I've had former federal prosecutors. I talk to actors occasionally and sometimes I just talk to them about their craft, but other times I talk to them about both acting and uh, politics but I've talked to some amazing people like Charlotte Clymer and Molly Jung Fast and Steve Schmidt and Sherry Jacobus, like we're going to talk to you today, Joe Walsh. I've talked to Gloria Allred and Kristen Johnston. So many cool people. Greg Oliar, Sarah Wood. Just really, really fun people who have different takes on politics, and I love what I do. So go ahead and check out some of my guests, and then please consider becoming a patron. You can do it for like two bucks a month. And here's, here's how it works. 
So if you sign up for $4 or less per month, you're going to get all my free shows, which are two per week, delivered to your email box, and one patrons-only show delivered to your email. You'll have access to that, and it'll go right to your email box. Um, if you sign up for $5 or more per month, you get both patrons-only shows. There's two a month with the two a week that I do for free. So that's how that works. But, you know, you could sign up for like two bucks to start and see if you like it. And if you like it, then you can just upgrade later. You can also, um, I always include my email address. If you want to PayPal me a one-time donation, you could do that. But again, just visit patreon.com slash start me up. And then the last thing is, of course, you know, it's start me up can be found anywhere podcasts are found on iTunes, Stitcher and wherever. And I'm just going to ask, like I always do, go to iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, become a subscriber, it's free. And then while you're there, you can give me a review, you can give me a rating, that would be super awesome. I've been getting a bunch of them and I appreciate it. So the more the better, the more the better. And I thank you for them, I thank you in advance for them, I thank you for the ones that you've already done, and I'm so grateful for your patronage. I love this show, I love having conversations with interesting people, and so now I'm going to have an interesting conversation with Sherry Jacobus. Welcome back to the show, Sherry. Thank you for having me. Oh, I Good love to be here. I love it when you visit. Uh, I, I I just I really enjoy and appreciate your take as a woman, especially a woman who used to be in the Republican Party, and we've discussed this before. That I remember you saying on the last show that you would have just as easily worked for a moderate Democrat uh, back yes. when you were younger. So, um, and and I I kind of want to point out that especially not that you've changed your tweets, but I've just lately I've noticed with your tweets um, so many times you echo what I'm feeling, especially when it comes to being a woman and and not wanting to be in a party that is just run by white men that, you know, you're, you want to be in a, in a diverse, you know, a, a, we're a diverse country. So, I mean, I, you know, I definitely feel like I want that diversity represented in so many times. Um, when I see your tweets, I, I, you know, again, you are a moderate Republican, but it just blows my mind because you and I have such a similar, um, ideology, especially when it comes to women's issues, but just overall, I mean, I agree with pretty yeah. much everything you say. <laughs> well, and also you wonder what are women's issues? It's just half of the more, you know, we're slightly more than half the populations. There's things yeah. we, we care about and have an opinion, but are those women's issues or is just American issues yes. and we're not being heard? Yeah. Uh, there's, there are some times when I want to hear, uh, and well, you know, that I, I will agree with a certain policy position or something that's being explained. Um, but I don't always want it to be explained to me by a white man. Now, granted, <laughs> I love men. Right. Of course. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that I want to answer to them or need them to mansplain things to me. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I do feel a sense of freedom now. Um, I had always been frustrated for decades working in the Republican Party. Working on Capitol Hill uh, campaigns, uh, RNC, of uh, the blatant sexism, mm -hmm. and we fought it quietly and internally mm -hmm. uh, and lost, lost yeah. badly. I have no intention of going back to that. So when I see the new GOP emerging mm -hmm. with some never Trump people or never Trump men, um, I have no desire to go and join a new GOP, a new improved GOP that, again, is being run solely by men. Um, yeah. And the fact that they do so means to me that 
that's disqualifying to me. Yeah. Um, and I want no parts of it. It means that, um, well, we're not going to change the GOP. It's just a power struggle between right. two different factions of white men. And that's pretty much it. But yeah, I could have easily have worked for a right of center conservative Democrat. Now, when I started out, we're in Capitol Hill, Ronald Reagan was president. Mm-hmm. So we're talking the eighties. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and I'd worked in television and then moved to DC and got a job on Capitol Hill. Uh, and I was working for a, a moderate Republican mm-hmm. um, and could have worked for a moderate Democrat. Now, back then, we didn't have all of this cable right. news yes. uh, and online stuff where that pulls you to the far right or yeah. the far left. So most of us were, I mean, you sound surprised that I, I agree with you on a lot of things that I sound like you, but you know what, that's where most of America is, or at yes. least was 80% of Americans were in that right of center or left of center, but that's not good for ratings and clicks and book sales. And so <laughs> they sort of invented this new way of doing politics and look where it's gotten us now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Well, yeah. where do you, you know, I saw George will. Uh, interviewed on MSNBC, I don't know, last month or something. And he said that what he thinks, because people are saying this is the end of the Republican Party. And he's like, no, I disagree. I think the Republican Party is strong and will continue. It's really messed up right now. But basically, the way they're going to handle this is for at least, you know, I don't know, like a month after Trump is out of office, they're going to be like, Trump who? And they're just going to be back to their old shenanigans. What do you see happening to the Republican Party? Uh, It depends. Um, First of all, what Trump does when he loses, he looked, mm-hmm. there's no way that Trump is going to legitimately win. Yeah. If on election night or shortly thereafter, there is something that says, oh, look, he got more votes and won. We know that they successfully cheated. We know that Putin is cheating for him. We yeah. now know that Putin does have the ability to actually change vote tallies mm-hmm. in voting machines. We know this. We know that GRU infiltrated um, county boards of elections and the companies that do the software for you know voter for the voting rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in the Mueller report, and we only the ones that we don't know about. You know, if they did it in some, they did it in others, and it was likely a, a dry run for what they're planning yeah. in 2020. We know that Trump wants to basically throw a wrench into the U.S. Postal Service. Um, so that you can't vote by mail because that means it's a paper ballot and it's harder for Putin to cheat. Yeah. We know this. So I think it depends what happens and how mm. far out on a limb rank-and-file Republicans, elected officials will go mm-hmm. to support him on this if he has to be dragged kicking and straight screaming from the White House. Uh, so let's say that, okay, they cheat, but the the vote is so overwhelmingly against him and for Biden that um, – we succeed in getting rid of Trump. Now we have to look at what happens in the House and Senate. What mm-hmm. are the numbers going to look like? Right. Uh, yeah. If it's an absolute shellacking um, to the point where you've got Republicans who backed him and lied for him and supported the crimes and the treason uh, and the lies if, and the money laundering and, you know, all the, the, the you know favors to friends were just, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. of, of our tax dollars are being stuffed in the pockets of Trump cronies. If, if it gets to the point where it's so bad for these people that they really should just escape to um, Argentina, like the Nazis <laughs> did in the post Hitler era, um, I, you know, there'll be a new GOP that emerges. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of people claim that they never really supported him right, yeah. or they weren't part of that crowd or they just didn't know. Right. Um, and that for in order for the GOP to survive, and this is where I have to disagree with George Will, okay. it's simple math. In order for the GOP to survive, the new people coming in, and it looks like it's 
just a new group of uh, uh, white guys, Mm -hmm. they will have to uh, pretend to believe the other GOPers who say, I wasn't really part of it or I've changed, I'm reformed. Because otherwise, how do you populate the party? Yeah. Who's going to be sitting at? Who's going to be there to populate the party? Who will be the operatives? Mm-hmm. Who will be um, those who will be uh, in Congress? Who? I mean, you have to. You can't have, you know, Lincoln Project guys running a new party uh, without the people from the old party. In fact, some of those guys and their close allies um, were with Trump well after he was president. Um, so I, I think that's disingenuous. But that's why, to me trying to rebuild the GOP because you claim to believe in certain conservative principles in a Mm -hmm. two-party system. Uh, Well, it can't be that party um, because if you're going to try and rebuild that party, that means you're just accepting these same people. So you reject these people while they have power, but you do have to embrace them. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you don't exist. Hmm. And that's just the reality. Wow. that's Well, you know what? Going back to um, what you were saying with the, you know, the white guys running things and there's sexism. I mean, obviously there's sexism everywhere in the democratic party too, maybe not as blatant, but I noticed the other night, uh, Steve Schmidt was on Chris Hayes and there was, and I wish I could remember her name. I don't know her, but she was a black woman. And so it was kind of one of those split screens where Chris started, Chris Hayes asked Steve Schmidt a question. And so Steve Schmidt answered and then he asked the black woman a question, and the black woman had such great points. Again, I wish I remembered her name, but one of the things she said that stuck stuck out was, you know, she said black people have always been the canary in the coal mine, and that if you know if they can get away with doing it to black people, eventually they'll start doing it to white people. And she just had so many interesting points to make. I mean, talking about the way that Trump is sending sending federal troops and taking our rights mm-hmm. away, all that stuff. So. Anyway, she she did have a decent amount of time to get her point across. But then Chris Hayes went back to Steve Schmidt and Steve Schmidt got the final long, you know, he he was on for I don't know. I I don't know what the time was, but it sounded like a long time. So he got more than double the amount of time she did. And um, and now granted on uh, the second time that he spoke, he was talking about civil rights. He was talking about John Lewis. But I just thought, okay, well, why? Why is he the one? Why is the he? That's great. It's nice to hear what white men, white Republican (laughs) men think about that. Um, It would be, you know, I, I get your point. Look, yeah. uh, here's the bottom line, um, and this this is just the way it is. Uh, our media, uh, print, online, TV, yeah. cable, it is run by white men. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a couple weeks ago, the Daily Beast did this big piece. They had an interview with the African American employees at Fox News who are complaining about. <laughs> Um, the white supremacism, right, uh, yeah. especially oh primetime host, Laura yeah. Ingram, you know, John Hannity, yeah. you've got, uh, oh God, you got <laughs> Lou Dobbs and of course Tucker. Yeah. And um, the Daily Beast is run by a bunch of white guys and they had five reporters doing this interview and all five were white guys wow. <laughs> and that they didn't see this or they saw it and they don't care because yeah, it's just how it is. And yeah. they aren't going to change it unless you force them to. Right. It's yeah. like, it's it. And to me, I thought the tone deafness of this mm-hmm. was just mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And you see it over and over and over again, because our media is run by white men. Yeah. Uh, newsrooms are run by white men mm-hmm. and these decisions are made by white men and women get what do women's issues are African-American right. reporters and columnists only supposed to do issues that yeah. are race related why not do 
all issues, yeah. but through the, the viewpoint and the lens of more women, more people of color. Yeah. And if you're looking around the table, if you're an editor uh, of a newspaper or a site or, or a chief exe- an executive at uh, one of the cable news networks or any newsroom, and you're at a, you're at a table or a conference call and it's all white guys or mostly mm-hmm. white guys or you, oh, we got to throw in a woman and you don't hear yourself. I mean, this is 2020 and we're still yeah. going through this. I started my career when this stuff was happening yeah. and it's still going on and I just don't have the stomach for it any longer. Um, we've seen women get, um, you know, the cancel culture, women get mm-hmm. canceled out, women in media, and they're never back again, even mm-hmm. if they were the victims. They don't work again. And the men yeah. somehow are forgiven exactly. by the other men who run media. And they're back on TV. They're back working. Yeah, everybody's worried about ruining they're, their They're life. back um, on TV because they're now they're back with Trump. You have mm-hmm. that Jason M- Miller character. Right, um, yeah. And it's, this is just, it's just mind-boggling. Uh, Michael Caputo um, mm-hmm. was accepted in, in primetime television after lying under oath to Congress and stuff that he tweeted about me uh, and other women, just really horrible, disgusting things. Hmm. And um, and he um, and he used to work for Putin. But there he is mm-hmm. protected by the media because he's good for a quote or so-called inside information. And now he's the top spokesperson, the, the top guy at HHS dealing with communicating to us about COVID-19. Oh it God, is frightening. Well, well, and you know what's extra frightening is I, I don't, you know, it was announced that he was the head of the HHS, and I looked him up, and he blocked me on Twitter, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, he was already aware of me, and he blocked me. <laughs> well, oh yeah. God. Well, what happens is uh, for, for guys like him, they don't want their followers to hear what you have to say. I mean, yeah. I have receipts on things yeah. about him. Um, I know that he had the same office park address. You know, they had mailbox address. Um, uh, they both had PO box numbers with the Russian that mm-hmm. he lied about under oath to Congress. And yeah. then Mueller uh, refreshed his memory. He and Roger Stone said that, oh, they forgot. Yeah, they did meet with this Russian a couple times who was trying to get $2 million selling dirt on on Hillary. The Russian goes, his American name is um, Henry um, Alinsky or something like that. Well, it just so happens that Michael Caputo and Henry uh, both had P.O. box numbers at this little teeny tiny storefront in Miami. That was their business address, literally a few feet apart. So if you were in on something together and communicating, um, particularly since we know that Caputo lived in Moscow, worked for Putin, Mm -hmm. uh, and this would be a very easy way to avoid any online detection if you were hiding from the feds. Uh, So you could communicate through those P.O. boxes you could uh, share money, exchange money wow. through those PO box numbers, those PO boxes, and yet he told uh, Mueller and uh, and the press that he did not know this man before he was approached about setting up a meeting with Stone to get money from the Trump campaign for the dirt on Hillary. Oh uh, so this is all, and yet this guy is accepted on television, mm-hmm. and now because they let all of this go, he's now in charge. And remember, they were going to not have the actual COVID numbers and deaths mm-hmm. go through CDC. Yes. They were going to shoot them right up to guess who yeah. Michael Caputo at HHS, who would then decide what truths yeah, <laughs> when right. American people uh, could have and which, and what would be lies. This yeah. is astonishing. It is. Astonishing. And yet you've got women who, um, who, when they have minor infractions in this online world are just completely canceled. Um, and I look at a lot of the women from Fox who were mm-hmm. victims who maybe got good payouts, but they don't ever work again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have such a long way to go in politics and media. Uh, and again, it is because media is still run by white men. Mm-hmm. 
and not, and not to get the whole TED talk here, but uh, I do think that um, there are, I wonder if women were running uh, newsrooms, you know, 50% of the time and yeah. running media, if they would be hiring and promoting different women than who get hired and promoted by the men. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Because and I've had this discussion different. a lot lately with um, women friends uh, in politics and media, women of a certain age. We've mm -hmm. been around uh, for quite a long time. We're not young ingenues. Mm -hmm. And um, they see the same thing. Mm -hmm. And um, we wonder, uh, you know, would would certain women make it if if they were um, mm -hmm. if they had women bosses and what women are considered too difficult, too mouthy, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, too opinionated. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, to, and it, it trickles down. To be around. It's, it's not, uh, obviously, you're right. I mean, it's all business, and it's uh, specifically politics and the media, um, because it does shit. And it's, and it's also in the, you know, ob in the film world and the television world, which I was a part of. But, um, well, you know, and look at what they're saying about uh, so the, talking about the potential vice presidential candidates, yeah. uh, nominees that, that Biden is looking at. Yeah. I know. A discussion that you never have. I know. Uh, about never, men. never, 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 never. And I do want to. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on that one because I want. I want to talk to you about that. I have a hunch, but we'll get to that in a minute. But what I wanted to say, like when I used to sell, I used to sell. Um, well, I, I sold industrial chemicals and then I also sold oil, which I'm not proud of. But um, <laughs> it was brief, you know. And I was, I was, I was in a. I was in Los Angeles, and the economy was. It was right after uh, the whole you know, breakdown with the economy and right before it was like when I started this job in oil, it was right. I think I'm trying to say it was like December. So inauguration of Obama was in, in January. So I started in December and long, 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 long story short. It was it was it was not a job that was going to work for me for so many reasons. But um, one of the things like when I was hired, I was hired to sell um, this Canadian oil that was more expensive. And so it was like, okay, starting me off in a really tough position. Plus I wasn't allowed to sell fuel. Other, other reps in okay. the company <laughs> were, were selling Chevron oil, which was competitive and fuel. And I was not. So I, everything was already stacked against me. And so I know there was this sister part of the company cause it was a family owned business. And the sister part was oil filtration. So, and I liked this because it wasn't just about selling oil. It was about cleaning the oil that they already had and keeping it for a longer time, which I felt better about environmentally. Even mm -hmm. though I didn't like the fact that I was, I, I needed a paycheck and this is where I landed. Anyway, so I took it upon myself because I had already been in that world and I understood how to get, get aside from the gatekeeper who never let you into the person you wanted to see. I always got around in the back. I always found my way in. And so I, w I went to the, I think it was like Burbank Water and Power and I got in and I talked to the guy and I was like, you know, I knew very little about this machine that I was, it was like a $30,000 machine. And I think the way it worked was you plugged into, it was the hydraulic, uh, I can't remember even the kind of oil, but it was, it was whatever oil they used. So you would plug it in in two different places and it would come in one way. And there was something that happened within this machine that made all of the particles uh, come together and forge, form large clumps. And then they could be um, kept back and then only the clean oil went in, if that makes any sense. So, um, this is all Greek to me and it sounds like magic. So. Okay. Well, and it, well, that's what it sounded like to me. It was like, but it cleaned your oil and it gave you a longer life with your oil hydraulic. That's what it was. So it cleaned hydraulic oil. And, um, 
so I, I, like I said, I mean, I asked my boss for some pamphlets and I read the pamphlets and I went into the Burbank guy and I'm like, you know, this is how it's going to work for you and this, blah, blah, and he bought it. And so this was a big deal. This woman who comes in, who knows nothing about oil, who's not allowed to sell fuel, goes and makes this big sale. It's never been done before. So I go to the guy who's like totally alpha, right? He's the one who's running the sister part of the company. He's the son of the owner. And he's very, very alpha. He's very much like the guy, um, Sam Elliott, who played Gar. And I used to actually tell him that. I'm like, you look like Sam Elliott. And he'd get all happy. And so, um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't like him or anything. But I was like, you know, I was just trying to be nice. And so we're sitting there. And I I talked to him. I'm like, look. I said, I just sold this machine. I really didn't know what I was doing. But I sold it. And I'd like to sell more. And I'd really like to learn about this part of the company. And so he says to me, um, well, you know, that's great. And yeah, you should, because when you're going in there, you don't want to look like a bimbo. And I I was like, I didn't say anything. Oh boy. Yeah. I didn't say anything at that moment, but I just like that word bimbo echoed. And I went home and the more I was driving home and I was started to get like, I was so fucking angry. Like the rage was building in me and I call my mom and I call my dad and you know and so I, I had to wait for the weekend and they both gave me the same advice. We're like we well, should address this with him. So I did. I called him in the morning on Monday morning and I was like look and I was really nice and I said I, I found it really offensive that you suggested that somebody would look at me like I was a bimbo because I went and I sold nobody helped me and I sold this machine mm-hmm. and you know as a result I confronted him and I was really nice about it. And I, you know, he apologized and I thanked him and he could never look me in the eyes again after that. It, he never could deal with me again. And then the father tried to get out of paying me my commission. Initially, I was told I was going to get a certain number. Well, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, you're going to get, let's say, 15% commission. And then, and then he, he told me, which I still hadn't gotten paid, that no, it was really 7%. I don't know where you got 15%. And, and unfortunately, at the time, I never, I didn't have that in writing because everything was just kind of happening as it, you know, in the moment. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I mean, I wound up quitting um, or getting, I actually wound up making them fire me because I wanted unemployment. So uh, they were trying to screw me over. But it's like, you know, here I was as a, as a young, I mean, 40, not even young, as a woman just trying to be honest and trying to sidestep all the obstacles that were in my way. And I was still fucked over, you know, and, and, and I, and yeah, I well, you know, them, that's the mom and dad advice too. Yeah. They like to think that, well, if you just explain it, then people will understand what they did. That's offensive. And it doesn't work that way. No. Um, the men know what they're doing. They know that it's <laughs> offensive. They don't care. They're only going to change uh, if they're forced to, if they're defeated. Yeah. Um, they know when they're starting an all white guy organization, right. that there's all white guys. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you can tell because then they're like, Oh, we better stick a token woman in there so they find someone who's safe and no one knows who she is. And, you know, she'll keep her <laughs> they would never have women as actual peers with their own voice. No. And so, you know, we see this and um, it, it's over and over and over again. And I'm, I'm so hopeful that um, as we see more and more women in primetime news, we see uh, we still don't have women running the newsrooms. Mm-hmm. They're still working right. for male bosses. So they have to answer to that. But as we see uh, a woman, hopefully vice president, mm-hmm. unless uh, Trump succeeds in cheating, and um, just, you know, we find it happening. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Democratic Party is far better at this. They still have big problems. And my women in that part, women friends in that yeah. party tell me they do, but yeah, not nearly as much as the Republican no. Party. I've seen nothing with the people leading the Never Trump movements who, who want to go in and 
and rebuild the, the GOP, I've seen nothing from any of them indicating that it would be any different mm-hmm. uh, for women than it than it is under Trump or has been in the past. Yeah. And that is depressing. It is honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no interest in being a part of it and being led around by the nose and uh, any longer. Any party that is going yeah. to exclude women from the top. And even then... Um, it would be they may be comfortable with a token or two, but they would mm-hmm. never get if women start having too much of an impact on the decision making, everything comes to a screeching halt. And we've seen this over and over mm-hmm. and over again. So I, it won't change until the newsroom changes. Uh, and again, there's so much tone deafness with yeah. this. So I don't know. Uh, it's a chicken or an egg thing. I don't have an answer. <laughs> well, I just you know, I mean, we'll see what now we can talk about the. Uh the VP. And, and I want to, I want to preface this um, because I, I mean, I, I know what people are saying out there and I, I, I often talk about this on the show and I try to stay away from it. Uh, I don't completely stay away from it, but on Twitter. And the reason why is because if you like one person and you know, one candidate choice, then you're going to get attacked from everybody who likes the other one. And, and, and it's like yes. uh, the way I see this is I, I fully support whoever Biden is going to choose. I don't really care. I support her because I know she's been vetted. I know that they've all, including Obama, have discussed what, you know, they're, they're looking at internal polling. They're thinking in terms of, you know, beating Trump. There, there's so many things that they're taking into consideration that, you know, I can have my favorite, but in the end, I'm just, I'm all behind whoever it is. But Same. I feel, and, and I'm not very good at political predictions, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. And because of what, James Clyburn has been saying, I'm thinking that maybe it's Warren. And the reason I'm saying that is because, first of all, last week there was a, uh, it was a data for progress poll that showed, um, here it is, it was among all voters, Warren leads the pack with 21% support, Harris stands at 19, no other breaks 10. Um, when limited to a head-to-head between Warren and Harris, Warren leads 53 to 47. And then head-to-head polling also shows Warren as the leading choice of undecided voters, where she leads with Harris uh, uh, with both lean Biden, so 58%, and then lean Trump, 54 So, okay, then right after that poll came out, which was the third poll that I saw, whether it was, it was everybody... Uh, um, among all voters, I should say, all voters supported. There was also a couple of polls that I saw with black voters specifically favoring Warren. So Clyburn initially said that Biden should pick a black woman for VP. Then he rolled back on that. And just recently he said that uh, a, v, uh, a black woman would be more important on the Supreme Court than as vice president. And then I think just yesterday on CNN, he said something about... Um, how Biden has to look at poll numbers and go with who he feels comfortable with. And so I'm wondering if, you know, I mean, and I don't know, but I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, hmm, because initially Clyburn was all about a black woman VP and now I'm seeing these polls and I I don't know what they're thinking, but I'm thinking perhaps this is some kind of thing where, and, and frankly, I would love to see both. I would love to see a black woman vice president and black women on the Supreme Court. (laughs) It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be one or the other, but it just, it seems as if, it's being set up for this. So this is my hunch. And I'm just wondering what you think. Hmm. Uh, well, we know that Biden said he'll pick a woman to be vice president and a black woman on the first opening of the Supreme court. Yeah. So that would 
track with what you're saying. Yeah. I think that if you've got somebody uh, like Clyburn um, saying that it could be Warren and being good with that. Well, he didn't say he just he didn't mention a name. He just said that it didn't have to be a black woman as a BP. Well, I, I, I think that when you have somebody of his stature and other African-American leaders, mm-hmm. um, if they say this is the party, our party, we have a voice, we're going to do, you know, and this and 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 looking at the polling, too. But mm-hmm. um, but being supportive of this, knowing that uh, the cabinet, the um, other leadership positions, the Supreme Court mm-hmm. um, will have people of color, yeah. women of color. That will go a long way. There's going mm-hmm. to be some pushback. Yeah. But I think there has to be an overall acknowledgement, big acknowledgement mm-hmm. of the role that people of color yeah. have played in terms of fighting Trump. Yeah. Um, and um, it was African-American women in Alabama that saved us yes. from Roy Moore. Uh, and there's just no denying that. And no. um a lot of this has to do with the media. Again, we have white men right. <laughs> running media that get to decide, um, you know, who gets to be the voices. So um, I think it would be people are expecting that it'll be an African-American woman. I mm-hmm. don't know if 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 when you look at the, the polling, uh, now you're talking about Harris versus Warren. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you have to look at it. Would this ticket still draw the same numbers mm-hmm. if you're looking at them as individuals but when you look at a biden warren biden right yeah, yeah. harris um I, I don't know i i'm i don't know i don't know i think you might get different numbers yeah i, well, I, I don't yeah, think that you I, have to say well if if it's warren i'll vote for the ticket but if it's harris i won't vote for right. the ticket well i, I i'm guessing like, this is a preference Kamala harris look i i i think that um she is um she and warren are the two who are the most qualified i I love that the other names are being mentioned um Mm -hmm. i'm very angry about the fact that there are some of the men in the party uh Mm -hmm. the white guys in the democratic party Mm -hmm. who are saying um but people oh but uh, kamala harris rubs people the wrong way yeah and she's too ambitious Uh, she wants to be president it's like yeah since when is that disqualifying um exactly (laughs) and that tells me that they're starting to remind me of Republican men in that yes. they're saying, oh, yeah, well, we need to have a woman or a black woman on the ticket this time. But we don't actually really want her to be president. We mm-hmm. want somebody who will do it. And then when things go back to normal, then mm-hmm. we'll go back to normal with the white mm-hmm. guys running the party, you know. And so it was just incredibly tone deaf. Yes. Uh, Ed Rendell and, you know, some of these other yeah. guys uh, with the criticism and the scrutiny that a woman has to go through mm-hmm. that a man does not. Um, it's like, does she should she smile more? I mean, God, you know, is this seriously where we are so i think that there we'd be fine with warren or harris i yeah. think they're the other the other candidates named i will support them but i think two people who have run for uh for president uh they've yes. been out there in the trail in this cycle mm-hmm. both have proven themselves their mm-hmm. entire career as leaders mm-hmm. as electable as incredibly ambitious and yeah. hardworking. Um, and Kamala Harris did not go out and get the black support in the primaries that people thought, well, A, there were other black candidates. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it's also possible that um, black voters, not all of them are going to vote just on race. Right, but they yeah. do want to vote for people who who, who keep race, keep gender, all these things in mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not all all not all white men are created equal. Some are <laughs> right, very of course. <laughs> pro, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it, so. Yeah, that's there. That's 
so that says a lot about the electorate, how, mm -hmm. how sophisticated the electorate um, is. So my guess is that there might be preferences. Um, some of those pro-war numbers, I'm just throwing this out there, that might be, could those be the Rose people talking, the mm -hmm. Bernie people? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, some of them have um, definitely turned on her. Best. Yeah, I mean, the, so. a lot of them have turned on her. As soon as she didn't drop out immediately, um, they turned on her. And yeah. I mean, that's not to say all of them did because uh, I, you know, I mean, the, but I'm talking specifically that Bernie or bust type of crowd. Um, mm -hmm. Not so much because I used to be a Bernie supporter. And the, and the reason I was a supporter is I just I liked his vision. Um, I can say that I was somewhat naive because I understand that I don't think that he would be the optimum person to get that vision played out. I actually think Warren would have a much better chance at doing any of that stuff because she's started up government agencies and run government agencies and she's accomplished more. Um, well, so would she be better as a, as a very powerful, uh, chairman of a committee or Senate right. majority Well, leader. that's what, um, you know what? I am totally all about. Like, I, I mean, Warren was my first choice as a candidate and for the longest time she was my first choice for a VP, but I really honestly, at this point, I don't care because I know if it's Harris, I'm going to be really happy because to see a woman, uh, a, a, a wonderful, incredibly intelligent woman of color uh, being the vice president, I would love that. And then Warren will be in the administration somehow. So I feel like well, the either fact way. That there are so many. Everybody says Kamala Harris could be vice president. She could be on the Supreme Court. She mm -hmm. could be AG. Mm -hmm. That tells me um, that I, I think she I, I, I'm pulling. I would like to see her as vice president because. Because yeah. I think we are going to go through. I think Joe well, Biden will only serve things. one term. Yeah. I think we are going to be going yes. through. I think it's going to take more than one year yeah. or even four years to clean up and even completely investigate yeah. everything that this Trump era has done. Right. I think that that Kamala Harris is somebody who um, could lead that effort. I'd like to see Adam Schiff as AG. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I know. My yeah, God. Yeah. I, I think that what he did in impeachment was yes. phenomenal. And let him just run with that and yeah. go with it. Um, I think we need these. I th so that's you know I, I see I see Elizabeth Warren as I'd love to see her if Schumer were to step aside. I'd love to see her as Senate Majority Leader. I'd like yeah. to see Kamala Harris as Vice President. I'd like to see Adam Schiff as AG. Yeah. And in terms of uh, when a Supreme Court seat opens up. Um, I mm -hmm. think that there's probably names out there mm -hmm. that we don't know that mm -hmm. we haven't heard yes. yet because yeah. we don't pay a lot of attention to who who the judges are and right. yeah and, and the judiciary down the line and so but we know it'll be an African American woman and so we bring somebody else into the forefront uh, onto the public stage and we start building a different type of leadership in this country at every level and I think that's what's extremely important. Uh, so I would like to see Kamala Harris as vice president, uh, which means that she would likely be the nominee in four years. So when I hear these men saying, well, what about somebody who's just not very ambitious and has no, you know, isn't going to be undermining Biden by trying to be president? I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, that tells me that they just don't want a woman or a woman of color to be the presumptive nominee in four years, should, you know, Biden not run. And I find that to be very offensive. I want somebody who is ambitious as all get out, mm -hmm. who's going to kick. No kidding, yeah. But for every traitor, anybody who enabled Trump, lied for him. Um, I mean, I want 
everything, every none of this, well, we'll just let it all go because the country needs to move on. It's like, yeah. no, we want justice. We need to know the system works. And we need somebody who, who understands that. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's where I am. Yeah, I just, <laughs> and, I, and I don't want anybody who is going to be backing down from that. No, and I totally agree. And I, I totally, you know, I mean, because <laughs> it would be so awesome if Kamala Harris were the vice president and then she were the president and then she could become a SCOTUS judge. A Supreme Court. <laughs> she could be become so a Supreme awesome. Court yeah. <laughs> um, and I just got, as you were talking, I just got a text message from my friend who said, here we go. So I just looked it up and it says, okay, uh, to somebody... Um, tweeted two seconds ago that it's 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 going to be announced in the next couple of days so i thought he was going to announce it now so um somebody asked him to announce it at 4 55 p.m tonight <laughs> right before stupid trump right goes before. on <laughs> you know uh, there was a part of me everybody's saying that this is you know to to, to want to rush this along and have biden do it too soon uh when you look at the history of how how long before a convention mm -hmm. A Democrat announces, blah blah blah. I think that a mission that mission creep has started set, setting in, and yeah. we need to get this announced yeah. um, because you can start doing the armchair vetting, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, which we're hoping that everybody's been vetted, and if they find little things they think are problematic, that they know how to how to work it. No candidate is perfect. We have human beings, but I'll tell you one thing. I will be this person who will be out there, the little power I have on Twitter, <laughs> uh, wherever I can go. When I see the double standard, when I see them holding mm -hmm. uh, the vice presidential candidate who happens to be a woman to a different standard than the men. And I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing when Sarah Palin was yeah. made the VP nominee. This was before a lot of the problems with her came out somewhat later, mm -hmm. but I was very much, I mean, she, when she was governor, uh, in Alaska there, and there were certain issues that she was, be, she would be talking about energy issues. She was extremely, um, good on those issues, articulate, smart, you know, uh, and, um, when they started picking her apart, mostly on the family stuff, mm -hmm. um, I was a staunch defender on the double standard. Mm -hmm. Um, I, when she became a little bit of a clown, after the fact, mm -hmm. uh, enjoyed the spotlight too much and wanted to be too much of a Kardashian in her post-candidate yeah. <laughs> life. You know, I was as turned off as anyone yeah. else. But initially, well, there she, was a double scared, standard. You know what? I will say her. this because she, she scared the shit out of me. And I mean, I was somewhat political prior to – Sarah Palin is I, – I always point to her as somebody who – piqued my interest in, in politics and I was you know I was paying attention I think I really started paying attention in 2000 with the hanging chad fiasco um and you know I wasn't watching the news programs every night but I was my mother has always been a political junkie and um she's definitely progressive but she's also pragmatic and she understands how things work and so she was you know talking to me about politics for a long time she did not like bush and, you know, I heard, although I can't, I don't retain any of the information, I do remember the, the bigger picture and what was scaring her and what was worrying her. So then I remember watching the Republican National Convention and Sarah Palin came out and I just had this visceral feeling about her. And I, I ran to the computer because I was thinking, okay, there's got to be some kind of crazy dirt on this woman. What do we know about her? And, and what you're saying is exactly what I found. It was just family stuff. And it basically it was about questioning whether or not she was the mother 
of um if, just crazy if, crazy stuff yeah, yeah yeah if like if her like because her daughter was pregnant and bristol was pregnant and they were w- was this child really her child or was it bristol's child so it was it was just all very much based like you said family and um i didn't find anything on her politically obviously things came out that she was using her power to bully um Somebody, I can't even remember the story. It had to do with the police department, but um, you know, they 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 turned out very much to well, be. Well, even you then, know, you, wonder, uh, you, you wonder. Okay, if this was if they were talking about a, a man, man, yeah, would it be? <laughs> would it be the same? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and that's and that's and I remember sticking up for the fact that the RNC spent like one hundred fifty thousand dollars on a wardrobe for for her and her family. <laughs> yeah. Because at that point, first of all, she was a beautiful woman. She looked fantastic. She had also just given birth to her fifth child, mm-hmm. and she was a runner. And mm-hmm. so she had not lost her baby weight. Also, um, my brother lives in Alaska. I've been to Alaska. People dress very differently there. Yeah. And even as governor, I, mean, I saw some clips that she wasn't wearing. She didn't have the type of wardrobe that somebody would in the lower 48 yeah. in the same position. Um, and um, her whole family, in fact, when she accepted the the job uh, to be, you know, when she said yes to McCain, they had literally a day uh, to all get on a plane and go. So some of them, they all needed clothing for the lower 48 uh as they call it and and um they all had to be outfitted as such and her because she just didn't she just didn't have the wardrobe Mm -hmm. they didn't have time to go get the wardrobe Hmm. she had just given birth i mean she still looked fantastic Mm -hmm. so there was a big thing about um 150 dollars or so Mm -hmm. being spent on her wardrobe i'm like so (laughs) <laughs> well and, yeah and it uh, makes sense worse. i mean and so, i'm not ever I mean, like it's hard for me to defend sarah palin on anything but i see definitely your point because there is a double standard and it's like i've pointed out um the the press should treat trump the way they treated her because they you know i remember feeling at the time that america likes to put everybody on a pedestal and then we quickly knock them down and sarah mm-hmm. sarah scared me yeah, Sarah scared me, and I'm thinking, okay, how long? We I think it was September, so I thought we don't have a long time. How long is she going to stay on that pedestal? Well, the American press, I mean, that specifically that Katie Couric interview was one of the big deals that kind of soured everybody to her and showed everybody that she really didn't have what it took. Um, but p- Trump proved that before he was even nominated. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like... But he goes on to be president, and it's not me defending Sarah Palin. He was Palin. protected. Yes, he yes, was protected he by was his protected. buddies in the yeah. press. He, he absolutely was. He absolutely was. And I, I don't think that the Washington establishment understood that he actually did have these relationships, mm-hmm. or at least um, something that he could pull the strings with key uh, media executives mm-hmm. in New York. And it was Corey Lewandowski who told me five years ago, it was May, June of 2015, when wow. they were trying to get me to come work for the campaign until I witnessed Corey Lewandowski. And I was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> thanks, no thanks. Uh, and which they later lied about all that, of course. Yeah. And But, you know, Lewandowski was bragging that Trump had, um, this was by way of trying to get me to take the job, that Trump had uh, Roger Ailes and um, Jeff Zucker, quote, in his pocket. And oh. then he also mentioned Joe Scarborough and he talked about how good friends mm-hmm. uh, O'Reilly was with Trump. And I was thinking that was a bunch of BS that these guys probably pretended to be friends with this bozo. Well, um, he knew how to pull those strings. So he eventually kind of um, uh, blackmailed uh, Ailes. We didn't know what bots and trolls were then, but after Megyn Kelly uh, gave those tough questions mm-hmm. in the first 
right. debate, yes. um, they were bombarded with all this. Pro- it scared the bejesus out of Ailes. And so they, he fell in line. They got mm-hmm. behind Trump at that point. Uh, Jeff Zucker was just in it for the ratings. He's not a news guy. He's an entertainment guy. Mm-hmm. And we are all paying the price. I think he's more guilty than just about anyone mm-hmm. of giving us Trump. He knew. In fact, he knew what those outtakes were with, with that. The, from The Apprentice, uh, but he owed his big career to Trump, and Trump says that he helped get him his job at CNN. But when you're, he, you know, he had he, his own staff complained, and he told them to keep the cameras on until the eyeballs leave. Yeah. And so Trump got more CNN coverage mm-hmm. than all the other GOP candidates combined. And uh, Chris Cuomo, one day I was on his morning show, and afterwards he says, "Let's go get a you know breakfast. I want to talk to you." So buys me a plate of eggs. We're talking, and um, he was. We were talking about um, his competitors, the Chris's competitors. We were talking about the race, and I kind of had a thing or two to say about the coverage at that time that they were giving this massive amount of coverage in the summer of 2015 to Trump. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was saying, well, the other Republicans won't come on. I said the other Republicans would come on, and he named a few of them. I said, but every time – CNN has them on. You ask them about Trump, the latest <laughs> thing that Trump did. And I said, you know, I would probably be advising my candidate um, to not do these interviews. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of hoping this blows over. Yeah. Well, it didn't blow over. No. It did not blow over. And uh, this is why we have Trump. They covered up the fact that he had that super PAC that, mm-hmm. and that was where they went after me and had to get me kicked off the air because I was confirming the Washington Post report. I was not the source, mm-hmm. but I saw that Lewandowski and Trump were lying. Mm-hmm. Trump had a sanctioned super PAC during the primary. He lied about it. He slammed other people for having, as he has slammed his other Republican primary mm-hmm. opponents for having super PACs. He was not self-funding. Um, and, um, and I, and I knew this. Mm-hmm. So, we, you had Fox News and then later CNN cover for him on this. So, you know, you don't have the electorate out there reading the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, print comes before broadcast always. And mm-hmm. then, you know, broadcast blows it up. Everybody sees it. Uh, had that been out there, had the Trump supporters at that time known that he was lying to them, he would have been out of that race within 10 days. Yeah. But they protected him because of those clicks and those ratings. It's just so the so, media, yeah, uh, the media, these his pals in the media, did this, still never believing. They probably thought, well, the political establishment will take care of it. And the yeah. political establishment didn't know what to do. Was when you got these guys running media that were just handing this to Trump on a silver platter. Oh, Sold us down the river. It's, it's so upsetting. It, I mean, it just it goes back, and it also goes back to that lens that you were talking about. If we had more women running the media, um, and all, mm-hmm. and it's all media because it's not just the news media; it's all of it. It's it's film, it's network, it's television. I mean, I can't even remember the guy's name, Mark Burnett, um, who put him on the Apprentice. Uh, Apprentice. I I don't know enough to talk about this, but I know that um, uh, what's his name? Um, the one who Roseanne was married to. Roseanne Barr. Tom Arnold. Tom yes, Arnold. He's yeah, a reader you. for America Reads the Mueller There you go. Well, he, yeah, yeah he was, he's talking about Burnett and that he knew things and was working with Russia or whatever. I mean, I don't know what he knows, but um, I would not be surprised because I know Burnett won't. I remember Tom Arnold was really wanting him to release the tapes that, uh, you know, Trump was saying the N-word and stuff like that. Yeah. He's just never been able to get it. And you know it. that Jeff Zucker knows about those, too. And yeah, yeah, he sure. still pushed Trump during the primary yeah. in 2015 and 2016 yeah. in the general. Wow. 
It's just so upsetting. Yeah. It's just so upsetting. Yeah, and and to think that well, as long as he's improved uh, the numbers at CNN, right? Um, he, you know, the 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 corporate executives there give him raise and extend his contract. I'm thinking, where are the patriots? Um, you know, you can't have this guy running this network, and I especially. If when Trump loses, how does how can Jeff Zucker be, be running? <laughs> and then, I, I mean, how can this happen? How can this continue? And people just act like, well, and I do know that lots of people at CNN know this about him, but they're afraid to speak up. Right. And I'm talking anchors, senior level producers, and rank and file, but they can't say anything because they're afraid that they'll lose their jobs. Right. You've got exactly, print media. Yeah who know things and they won't print it because again, a lot of your print reporters like to go on TV, their editors want yeah. them on TV. So uh, Jeff Zucker is, is probably one of the most protected people hmm. uh, in the media right now, because if you cross him, well, then you can't be on CNN mm-hmm. and that makes the careers of many print reporters. Yeah. So there's, there's these unholy alliances there with, with all of this. Um, and I don't know, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. No. Uh, unless we have enough women who little by little get right. into power where um, they then start having little private but serious discussions yeah. saying um, this has to change. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to do interviews with your network. You know, right. or, you know, a yeah. vice president isn't going to do interviews with a network that's run solely by men. We really urge you. We want you to start yeah. hiring more women. And, wow. you know, you great. can change the culture, but, you know, it ain't going to happen easily. That would be freaking awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, we can dream. We can, we can do it, though. <laughs> we can do it. Okay. So here's what I the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, I know it's impossible to predict what's going to happen and you can like, but what is your gut telling you um, with what's going to happen? I mean, we've got all the mail in things. I mean, I actually, there was an article that I found on your wall from the Washington post, but it says Trump's unfounded attacks on mail balloting are (laughs) discouraging his own voters from embracing the practice, which of course now the GOP is freaking out about that because he keeps poo pooing mail in voting and so that's going to hurt his own base. Um, so what do you like? OK, so the, uh, all the way from how do you think this is ele- election is going to go to how much cheating do you think there's going to be? And then if Trump loses, even if he lo- OK, so we all know if he loses by just a small margin, he's going to fight it. But let's say he loses by a decent margin. What do you think is going to happen? Um, I'm actually not concerned about uh, him refusing to leave if he uh, loses Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's clear that he loses my concern is the cheating to make him not lose Mm -hmm. and that's what i believe happened in 2016 so um that's my that's my biggest fear that there are going to be mail-in votes that don't get counted don't arrive soon enough that they're going to be changing the vote tallies that they're going to be closing polling locations uh and that they will somehow uh, force cheat by giving him enough numbers to win yeah. um, the electoral college hmm. like they did last time. 77,000 votes in just three mm-hmm. in just three states gave him uh, the presidency. Mm-hmm. That is such a small sliver of people. And now when you look at how those numbers um, are, are, are divided up, uh, it is almost impossible mm-hmm. that it was legit. They were Jimmy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I noticed the difference, um, cl- you know, nothing sticks to Biden which is good for us because, you know, whatever has come out against him since he started even just hinting that he was going to, you know, run, nothing, nothing stuck. 
I mean, he was coming into the picture with all kinds of baggage. He was known as the guy who was going to make gaffes. Everybody knew this. You know, there, I wrote an article just on my Patreon page talking about why he's not going to be the nominee. And it's like, okay, I was completely wrong. And I've actually, you know, I mean, as disappointed as I was that it wasn't Elizabeth Warren because I really liked her. Um, I, and, and because it wasn't a woman in general. Um, I have really come to believe that he is the man for this moment. And I keep going back to this woman who I know at my grocery store, who's a black woman and has always said that it has to be a white man. And then, you know, Jonathan Capehart, uh, Capehart is always talking about, I can't remember her name, but it's like Aunt Sheila or something like that. And he, he, he was saying, you know, Aunt Sheila if that's not her name, I'm sorry, you know, really wants Biden. And, uh, you know, and this was before Biden became the nominee. Um, and there were a couple other people on Twitter, but specifically Jonathan Capehart's aunt and this woman at my grocery store had exactly the same um, feelings and desires about Biden. And so, and it's funny though, because she is all about, she wants him to pick Warren. She wanted him to pick a white man because she feels like um, oh, the white men have to deal with Trump but now that we know it's not going to be a man, she's like, okay, it has to be Warren. She doesn't trust Kamala, and I don't really know why. She just doesn't trust her. But, um, but, I, but I look at her, and I feel like you know, she, she represents so many people. Obviously, I mean, it, it, was, it was South Carolina uh, where he had a huge support of the black. And then every primary, it was like 70 to 90% uh, to 90% of, of the black voters voted for Biden. And so, well, he was, you know, he was the vice president to yes. the first black president of the yes. United States. Um, I think a lot of people also play, there's who they like, but they also play um, political analyst, you yeah. know, with all the cable news and people online, they, everybody likes to play polit armchair yeah. political consultant. Right. And they're thinking, okay, Biden has a persona that they know will appeal to a very broad yeah. um, part of the electorate. Right. And people know that. And if they're comfortable with them and they know that, look, there's a lot of, you know, Trump supporters, soft, what I call soft 2016 Trump supporters um, who are disillusioned with him yeah, now, could easily who go would go Biden. be willing right. to go for Biden. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think you have a lot of people like, hey, look, if it were, I have my druthers, I'd have X, Y and Z. Right. And that's how I am. But of course, I've been a political strategist. So you, you, when you when you look at it like that, uh, you know, when you've got a, a pretty sophisticated electorate out there where they're like, OK, if I really had my wish list. Mm -hmm. Um, but when your priority is to defeat yes. Trump, they say, but the guy that I like third best is the one who can best beat Trump. Mm -hmm. So let's, you know, let's do that. Yes. And, and I, I really do think that, I mean, he does have an appeal to so many. I mean, let's face it. He's a white man. And so there are, you know, white men in the Republican Party, just like Steve Schmidt or Rick Wilson, who probably feel much more comfortable voting for him than they would uh, Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris. I don't know what they would have done if, if, if one of those women became the candidate. I don't know if they would have fought so hard. I don't know if they would have voted for her. But I do know that they feel more comfortable voting for him. Well, you know, that's an all-white guy mm -hmm. group. Um, and uh, that's kind of what, what I'm talking about. Um, when you've got media and political money um, and the new GOP all run by my yeah. guys, um, it, it, we, we still have a very, very long way to go. Uh, the standards are so much different for women. We mm -hmm. are held to impossible standards compared yeah. to the men who are so easily forgiven for the same things. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, um, I've gone through this. I know many of my female friends who are out there, you know, when you spend a lot of time on Twitter, a lot of time on TV, Mm -hmm. a lot of time doing podcasts such as these, um, you know, you're going to say things or do things in response and in context um, that are going to come off badly and sound horrible. And uh, especially when they're not in context and the men are forgiven Mm -hmm. always. Always. Yeah, they are. Um, and obviously and it's not that, that we hate them. we've seen that with some of the, the guys in the, within the Lincoln Project. Yeah, um, right. Where there's some really bad stuff and it just um, – but their pals circle the wagons and most mm-hmm. people never even hear about it. Um, that is not the case uh, no. for women. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to change during my lifetime or during my working productive years, um, you know, when I'm still active and writing and, mm-hmm. and working <laughs> before I go wander off into the sunset with my social security checks. <laughs> um, so it, but it's been basically my entire adult life mm-hmm. that we've been fighting this and it is, um, extremely disheartening mm-hmm. that, um, we've seen that it's so prevalent just when you think things are getting better yeah. and uh, we see it happening. But it's, there, there it's... is, you know, I do have some hope because, and I talked about this at length last week, um, Biden has incorporated the Equal Rights Amendment on his platform. But more importantly, um, I think that, you know, I, I had become aware of the ERA in 2012 and I became an advocate in 2012. And, you know, we had three states that we had to get ratified that had just stalled in the 70s and that deadline was put on and the deadline expired. And, you know, I mean, I don't believe that there was a deadline on any other amendment. If there was, it was one. But I don't think there ever was. And basically it was put on the amendment because it benefited women more. And so, um, you know, during the Trump presidency, the last three states have ratified. And I honestly didn't know that I would see this happen in my lifetime. So when you said, I don't know, you know, I mean, again, I don't know how, you know, while we're still alive, how the media is going to be run, but, you know, changes will be made. And as long as women continue to just take the power, you know, uh, we have to take it. We can't ask for it. Yeah. Asking for well, it never you works. Know, I, I've, I've done my part. And I've been yeah. successful in some areas. But at, at this point, you know, I'm pretty much cut out of all of it. Yeah. Um, I haven't played their, by their rules. I yeah. guess when you reach a certain age, you just don't. I right. do fight back. Yeah. And um, I, like I said, I, I, I just don't, I personally don't have the patience um, or the personality anymore <laughs> to just go along to get along right. and follow these guys and hope that they'll toss us a few crumbs. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these guys are people that I've, I've liked and worked with, but um, when the, when their answer is to simply do what they've always done and uh, not have women as equals and allies, um, you know, I just, I don't want any parts of it. I won't elevate them to positions of leadership uh, to start a new party or take over the old party and fix yeah. it. Because if you are that tone deaf and that you, that you can't see this or you don't care, or mm-hmm. you're like, well, you know, no one's forcing us to, we can get away with this. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go do something else. Right. <laughs> for <Yeah>. a living. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've changed my, I, you know, I have, been an actor and then I did that for about a decade and I I didn't make a living off of it but I was doing fragrance modeling basically working for like a a perfume company and then I would go fancy it was fun it was actually one of the more fun jobs I ever had but it's like I'd work for a perfume company and then I would go and freelance and just like work for four or five hours and you know I would 
walk up to people and say, hi, would you like to try whatever perfume? Um, and that was actually fun. And part of the reason it was fun, and they don't do this anymore, but I swear this is like the best perk of the job. You would get all of these testers. And if you, re- if you worked for a really popular line, you would get so many testers sent to your home and you were basically just told to use them at your discretion. And so the store would get a bunch of testers. So the store never needed them. And so you could trade them with other people. You know, if you if your friend worked for the perfume that, you know, company that you really liked, then you could trade. I used to get my hair done. I would just trade two bottles of perfume and I would do, you know, my, my stylist would do the um, highlights and cut. And it was like, I just gave her perfume. It was great. Uh, f- my friends used to go have lunch with perfume and they'd pay with perfume. <laughs> it was so funny. But I did that and I was an actor. I was on Days of Our Lives for a while. Then I went into sales and I was like in sales for a decade. And then I decided, you know, my mom and I got together and we did some books and we, we self-published books. But that led to me going into politics and then I was like a blogger and now I'm a podcaster. Like my, my career has just been evolving and evolving. I think this is it. This is like what I really want to do. And, you know, everything you're saying makes sense to me because this is my podcast. I don't use advertisers. So I feel like I don't have to answer to anybody but my patrons and, and to yes. the people who are listening to That's me. Good. And, and um, Well, you know, I don't know what better. I'll be doing next, but I do know that it, I can't be relying on some sort of party structure or, yeah. or the media. Um, you know, there's just, there's some long knives out, um, and, uh, doing politics in and of itself, it's really hard to make a living at it. There's a few of the big names. It's all the guys and it's, they're part of that kickback culture Mm -hmm. and they keep sending each other business where they create little, uh, temporary businesses that become vendors. Mm -hmm. And so they may collect $3 million for say a super PAC or a group and they end up spending maybe half a million of it on, on the actual ads and the rest of it finds their way into, Oh, this buddy's, um, you know, media buy company, mm-hmm. which has inflated prices, or this one PR, this list management. Mm-hmm. And these guys make a lot of money that way. They yeah. make a shit ton of money that way, excuse my French. That's and okay. um, it's <laughs> not, so they don't, they don't, yeah, they don't make their money just on their retainers for, yeah. you know, consulting campaigns. Um, that's not how any of them make their money. And so it's, it's, um, and women are not really a part of that mm-hmm. consultant kickback culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we want to be, I don't, you know, I mean, you want to make a living at it. You're like, hey, that's not how this is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And so my inclination is to call them out. <laughs> and for a guy's inclination is, hey, let me have mine. You know, where do I get my 400 grand from from this um, in one fell swoop? Uh, so it's politics is is dirty. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then in my case, um, obviously, I'm not a Republican any longer. But I, I can't really. I won't. I wouldn't. I'm not a part of the. Um, the establishment never Trump. I mean, right. I have a never Trump voice as many people do uh, on our own, but uh, the ones who are making the money, the ones who mm-hmm. are forming a new party, the ones who are forming alliances who will join in with a former Trump person mm-hmm. if they bring enough money to the table, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the criteria. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a couple of them, you know, that, um, that if you bring the money to the table, you know, then yeah, you've got those contacts, then, yeah. then you're in. We you are forgiven. You somehow are okay. Um, I put Scaramucci in that category. I mean, this guy, right, yeah. you know, it's better for his career mm-hmm. to now be never Trump. So mm-hmm. he's accepted because he, you know, he can bring, he can bring the goods. So if that's what it is, then that's what it is. I'll be regular voter. Yeah. All right. I'll get a real estate license or something. Right. Um, 
but so much of this, so so much has been destroyed mm-hmm. during the Trump years. So many people have been destroyed. Um, and I see most of it being the women who are destroyed. Yeah. And you see these guys do horrendous things um, that are then end up pop back up. And uh, the women uh, pay such a high price. So I, I, I don't know if just having a female vice president is going to fix all that. But no, it won't. It'll make but it's, feel it's, a little bit better. Yeah, yeah and it'll, it's just, in, I mean, uh, sadly, it is incremental. But, you know, it's slow. We'll, we'll get there. I mean, we've like, we've seen such gains in the Democratic Party with women and people of color, such diversity since Trump came in. So as much as I hate him and I feel like he's done so much destruction to this country, um, we did, you know, again, three of those states find the last three states voted to ratify the ERA. We've, we've got more women in the Democratic Party than we've ever had in Congress. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, you know, we just have to keep pushing and we have to keep demanding. And then, of course, I, you know, before I let you go, well, actually, I have two things I want to say. I'll get to the Mueller report in a minute. But I just want to say I am so excited for next Saturday because you posted a recipe for fish tacos <laughs> and I'm, I, I, my mouth is watering. Um, so I am so excited to, to make that. I, I imagine they were amazing. Were they really, really good? They were amazing. I can't wait to make them. <laughs> the so, crema, thank the you. sauce yeah. was, was made it. That's the, that's the, the crown jewel of, of the recipe. Right. Yes. And it's avocado, avocado, yogurt, cilantro, and garlic right and lime and lime okay lime juice yeah, yeah and I'm, garlic and yeah. so um that looked so good so i you know it's like i've been you know during quarantine uh i usually prepare a dinner for both bob and me on saturday nights and that's it you know the rest of the time he's he does his thing and i do my thing so um and i've just been like i've been making like i made tacos one night and he loved them he's like we can have tacos every every saturday and i'm like I'll get sick of them. So I got sick of them. And, you know, and it's like, it's always good to find a new recipe because I don't really, I'm not really a cook. I mean, I'm okay, but I'm not. I've been doing quarantine cooking. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to, uh, I, I cannot wait to make this recipe. <laughs> I'm like, yay. Okay. So then now the last thing is America reads the Mueller report. Um, you are the producer, correct? I'm the executive producer, executive producer, founder, president. Yes, I started this group, um, and then I executive produced it, and um, we shot it in L.A. with celebrity friends: Montel Williams, Morgan Fairchild, uh, John Cryer, Tom Arnold, and Willie Garson. Awesome. Uh, in August, and we have little by little, we air this half-hour celebrity reading mm-hmm. and some regular folks from around the country. Half-hour reading of direct excerpts from the Mueller report. No politics, no political commentary, and we air it in places where we want to reach those soft 2016 Trump mm-hmm. voters, the people who aren't on Twitter, who the people who don't know Barr lied to them about mm-hmm. the Mueller report, the mm-hmm. people who think that that Mueller exonerated Trump. So we air this uh, on local TV adjacent to shows that that part of the population would watch, you know, wow. early morning farm report in Wisconsin. We've got a sports network uh, stations in Pittsburgh. We've wow. got Florida. We're hitting um, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, Arizona, and Florida. And we've aired 80 times so far. That's so. awesome. That's, and you're basically depending on donations. To donations, do yes. yes. So, okay. And we are not a super PAC. We are a 501c4. So um, if you you know go to my Twitter, Sherry Jacobus, or if you go to americareadsthemullerreport.org, um, you will find us. And donations are very much um, appreciated mm-hmm. and um, since we're already produced, everything we get goes 
to putting this on the air. We don't have to wait to get, you know, $800,000 mm-hmm. so we can buy something to run on, you know, ABC or Fox mm-hmm. or something. We're doing local TV. So, you know, which we get different price points depending right. where we're going. So the money goes directly to, to putting this on the air. We don't have employees. We don't have overhead. Yeah. Um, so we're, like I said, we're already produced. We did that work. So everything goes towards getting this on the air. That sounds great. So what I'm going to do is in the Patreon description of the show, I'll put your, um, your uh, uh, I was going to say your hashtag, your handle, your Twitter handle, as well as um, the link for, should I do Sherry Jacobus or should I do? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll do the SherryJacobus.com and then you could just go there and it's, it's also her pinned tweet. So you could just take a look and then donate because it really makes a difference. You know, with these, these little local stations, people are watching. So um, definitely go That's over. That's how you reach the people who only watch Fox News for their national news. Yeah. Um, they're not going to consciously tune in to see us, yeah. so we catch them kind of by accident. Yeah. Uh, they see some of their favorite celebrities, and um, it'll be right before their favorite game show or after the religious <laughs> show. Uh, we've, we've got something, you know, just after George Stephanopoulos on Sunday morning or Chris Wallace. Right. So you catch us by accident. Yeah. And awesome. It doesn't take many. Again, 77,000 people in just right. three states gave Trump that electoral college vote. Wow. So you know we're not going to get everybody but we just need to get a sliver yeah well uh, and thank you for doing it and of course thank you for being the show i love having you i love talking i love talking with you so all right well you take care and i will i'm sure you'll be back yeah good (laughs) all right take care wow it'll be interesting to see because yeah as we were doing the podcast stephanie texted me and she said here we go and i thought oh my god did was he is he gonna announce this but no it's just gonna be this week which we already know so okay fine but uh i love talking to sherry i hope you like and appreciate her in the way that i do because i feel like this is such a strange time and i don't know you know i mean would she if if, if this were a normal republican president would sherry and i even know each other maybe not that it's weird because there there has been more awful terrible people have died i mean it's bad because of trump but there are a few things in this awful time that have changed i think it's changed the dynamics like i was saying you know we haven't the era has passed it's not in the constitution yet because the republicans want to fight it but still it has passed and more women are in government because of donald trump i mean we had that woman's march and i'm going to go back to tom nichols because he was so smug. I've told this story before, but he was so smug. I think it was around 2017. I don't remember when it was. But he was basically on Twitter acting like a smug jerk and talking about how the, the pussy hats are all fine and good, but you better get to the polls. And so I got in a debate with him where he was rude to me, and I pointed out that the suffragists had a garp and that they actually you know, got the right to vote. So instead of con- criticizing people's choice of clothing or garb or whatever, you know, why don't you look back to history? So then we had the election. Actually, it was, it wasn't the midterm. So it was, it was a Virginia, it was the Virginia election. I think it was in 2017. And then all these women won. And I think, you know, LGBT member of the LGBT and I don't, I don't remember if it was a trans woman who won, I think so in Virginia. But anyway, it was just like I after the election, I tweeted and I said, thinking of you, Tom Nichols. And of course, he said nothing after he was rude to me about the fact that I was right and he was wrong. But the idea is we are seeing more diversity. We are seeing more women. So there are some positives 
because I think when we're uncomfortable, that's when people really are motivated, right? If we're comfortable, we're not motivated. That we've proved that with Obama twice in the midterms, Democrats just didn't even show up. Shame, 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 shame. Now that we are in a position where we're uncomfortable, we are showing up. So I think we need to keep that momentum going. We always have to look at the GOP as a threat and we always have to fight whatever they're going to try to do. And women need to get serious. And so I, I like talking to Sherry. She offers a different perspective. She's fascinating to me because, you know, okay, like she said, she could have been a moderate Democrat. But I mean, when she tweets, I feel like, oh my God, that's what I would say. Oh my God. You know, I mean, I'm like, you go. I, I appreciate the fact that there are people who have come together who are like legitimate. Like I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Lincoln Project other than that if they bother Trump and if they, you know, if, if they can peel away a couple of independents, that's great. I'm not going to give them any money, but like Sherry said, if it's just going to be a bunch of white Republican men, no, thank you. We've seen what happens with white Republican men. And, you know, I know I don't have to say this, but I'm going to say it just because I'm going to. Of course, we don't hate white men. My father's a white man. Bob is a white man. My brother's a white man. I love them all. And I think they all make good choices. But it's just the idea of its majority. You know, it's the majority of white men who are making decisions and they are they're in a position where they can keep people out they can keep women out men of color out so they try to do that because they like to have their own power and they they have a shared privilege interest in all of that and of course it's not all white men okay there i said it not all white men but you already know that because you know me but just in case just in case <laughs> Alrighty, so i'm just so excited the birds are gone <laughs> you don't even know i'm like doing such a happy dance Anyway, that's it. I'm going to stop talking now. Don't forget you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. You can find Sherry Jacobus at, it's it's just her name, and then it's C-H-E-R-I and J-A-C-O-B-U-S. Uh, you can find her on Twitter there. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out Amazon for my books, Peyton's Choice, American Woman, The Virgin Diaries, and Ain't No Sunshine. All right, see you on Wednesday.